You know, one of the most amazing things Jesus said <laughs> is that I have come that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Jesus wants us to know the joy of winning with God. And so we're praying that for you today, wherever you're joining us, connecting with your Christ Journey family once again. May this day be a day of rediscovering the joy that takes you through whatever it is you're facing. Now, speaking of that, his name is Bridger Walker. He's the six-year-old boy from Cheyenne, Wyoming, who risked his own life to save his little sister from the brutal attack of a charging dog. They, uh, a German shepherd is charging at them while they're outside in their backyard, and Bridger steps in front of his sister and takes the brunt of the attack. The attack dog bites him in the face, and his teeth rip into his uh, cheek and then tear it. After two hours of surgery, he comes out with over 90 stitches, nine zero stitches. Emergency workers say that the only time he cried was when he got his IV. He's a tough little dude. Uh, his parents asked him, why'd you step in front of your sister? And Bridger said, well, if someone had to die, I thought it should be me. Over 500,000 social media users noted their support and commented on how his courage had inspired them. And among those that were paying honor and tribute were the actors from the Avengers series to uh, this little warrior heart of his, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Mark Ruffalo, the Hulk, Captain America, Chris Evans, Spider-Man, Tom Holland, and then, of course, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson. But all of that movie star power couldn't upstage or outshine Bridger Walker, the real-life hero, the true warrior heart, placing himself in harm's way. When courage mattered, he shows up and succeeded through suffering. So my prayer for you today is that you will find renewed courage from God as you face the troubles that you are facing, but more than that, that you would find stamina to endure and then to succeed even through suffering. Now, Jesus is our prime example here. Uh, before he stepped in front, of, uh, in front of us to let the sin dog teeth of that cross rip into his flesh, he told his men, you know what he told his men? John 16, 32. You will all leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone. For the Father is with me. And I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Find courage. I have overcome the world. Now, I love that. It inspires me. I like drink courage from that bottle. And uh, the reason why is because Jesus said it before he went to the cross, before the fake trials, before the denials, before the beating, before the lashing, before the nailing, before the stabbing, before the suffering and all that bloodshed, Jesus said, I have, past tense, overcome the world before. That was a statement of raw faith in the face 
of a charging attack dog. How could he say such a thing? Well, it wasn't because he had this like get out of jail free card from God that meant he wouldn't have to go through suffering on the cross. It wasn't uh, that he couldn't feel pain. You know, kind of like Superman, invulnerable, just bring on the bullets. He wouldn't feel a thing, no. Only hours later, he would be praying in anguish is the Bible word. Take this cup from me. And he's sweating drops of blood, telling his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Matthew 26, 38. Was he lying? Was he pretending? Or what was he feeling it? Was he stepping in to uh, harm's way, facing the razor-sharp teeth of this charging dog? How did he do it? Well, Jesus has already told us. He told us when he told his disciples, you will all leave me alone. That's part of the suffering, isn't it? I mean, it's been part of our suffering during this COVID season of social distancing, being alone, being isolated. You know what's worse than being isolated is being abandoned, being forsaken, being just dropped. You will all leave me alone. Look at this. And yet Jesus says, yet I'm not alone. For the Father is with me. There's the source of his confidence. The Father. Now, our culture suffers when it comes to the whole father identity and father worth. We struggle with that for generations. But all through his life, Jesus and his father, the father, did life together. I came from the Father, he says, John 16, 28. I'm going back to my Father, John 16, 17. In John 5, 19, Jesus explains how he does, what he does, why he does it. You know what he says? He says, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, that's what the Son does. So to Jesus, faith isn't just positive self-talk. It's not just having confidence in confidence, you know? It, uh, it's this fortitude and grit that gives forward focus because of his Father. Jesus got fortitude and focus from the Father. Same thing from us, for us. Focus and fortitude come from the Father. So our Savior had it. He gives it to us, oneness of spirit with the Father. So in John 17, Jesus says this. This is his prayer. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. How would Jesus succeed through his suffering? It was through oneness with the Father. It was through spiritual oneness with the Father. How are we to succeed? Through suffering. Same way. Spiritual oneness with the Father. Now, there's a scene in Rogue One. Maybe you remember it, Rogue One, Star Wars movie. It makes me think of this, where the, the blind warrior steps into harm's way, and, I mean, he's into the field of conflict against the forces of evil, and uh, he, he's not a Jedi, but he believes in the force. 
And when he engages the battle, these laser weapons are blasting all around him and stuff is blowing up. And, and he says, I am one with the force. The force is with me and I am with the force. It's like a Star Wars prayer. And he repeats it in other times in the movie. It's inspiring to me. It's moving to me. But what Jesus does is take us beyond science fiction in the movies. And what the gospels tell us is he says, when my father is with me, when he entered the field of conflict, this is what he was, I and the father, we're one. I do what I see the father doing. I am not alone. The father is with me. And then he engages the conflict. And in that oneness, Jesus succeeded through suffering and overcame the cross. May I remind you for just a moment what that means? I mean physically what that means. Crucifixion was one of the most horrific and agonizing means of torture and execution ever devised. I mean, a new word came into being to uh, describe the pain. Excruciating. That word literally means out of the cross. Excruciating suffering started at the cross. Now, crucifixion was practiced by the Medes and the Persians where it began, but it was perfected by the Romans, so say historians. Roman law dictated that it was only to be used for slaves and for degraded people, never Roman citizens. And to do it, it, it crucifixion would consist of a, a large uh, stake of wood that was usually a little bit taller than the height of a man, and then a crossbeam would be placed uh, on it just a little bit lower from the top, and then a block of wood be, would be driven into that main upright stake so that the condemned would have partial body support or maybe at their feet so that they could push themselves up, the victim could push themselves up on the cross. And then they would be lashed or nailed to the cross and then die a very long, slow, painful death, usually taking two or three days as exhaustion would give way to asphyxiation. Now in Jesus' case, severe beating, flogging before crucifixion meant major blood loss. Roman scourgings were brutal. The Gospels are very brief about this, but the scourgings were brutal. Jesus was whipped with the maximum lashings allowed by law, 39, which would leave his flesh torn to the point of shredding. And uh, one said, perhaps spine exposed by the deep cuts. Braided leather whips would be laced with sharp bones and metal balls and then tear at the flesh. And so there would be so much blood loss that the victim would suffer from what is called hypovolemic shock. Hypovolemic shock. What is that? Well, the heart races trying to pump blood that isn't there. The blood pressure drops, causing fainting or collapse. Kidneys stop producing urine in order to hold on to some of the flow, right, to maintain volume. And then the person becomes very thirsty as the body craves fluid to replace the blood loss. If you want more details, you can find them in Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ, The Medical Evidence. But my point today is simply to say this, the way Jesus faced the horrors of suffering and death on the cross 
was through his father. He said, I got focus and fortitude with my father. Jesus said, I'm not alone, for the father is with me. And on the cross, we hear that conversation continue with the father, don't we? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the, he closes the loop by, by saying, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. The Father brought focus and fortitude that kept him forward. Now, what are we to take from this today? I mean, the series is you can't lose, right? But at the heart of our faith is a huge loss. We got loss of justice, loss of blood, loss of life. What's going on here? I mean, this doesn't sound like you can't lose. This sounds more like don't be that guy. And that's exactly what the Romans wanted. When anybody witnessed a crucifixion, they wanted people to know, behave the way we tell you, or you could wind up like that. You don't want to be that guy. How strange is it then that this most cruel symbol of uh, excruciating torture and abuse of power would become the timeless symbol of the triumphant life and love of God for us? You know, when believers see that cross, what we see, that empty cross, is the emblem of a risen Savior who succeeded even through suffering. He won. Jesus succeeded in suffering. Jesus succeeded through suffering. Jesus succeeded in spite of suffering. Jesus succeeded over suffering. How did he do it? The Father was with him. Focus, fortitude from his faithful father was with him, raised him up on the third day, and then for 40 days made him known, gave them evidence they could see, feel, taste, touch with him. Over hundreds of witnesses of his followers until the father translated him in the ascension and then seated him where? At the father's right hand overcoming something far greater than simply physical pain and suffering or emotional rejection in human relationships. Here's what the scripture said was going on. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is incredible. Second Corinthians 5.21, it's the mystery of the atonement, what theologians call how did Jesus do it? His faithful father. Now, I told you all of that so I could tell you this marvelous, wonderful, amazingly good news truth uh, from 1 Peter chapter 4. Now, all of chapter 4 is about suffering. Some of you are going to want to read that chapter because it's going to speak to you. I've got some summary verses that I've taken right from it that are for somebody right now because you're suffering and you're wondering, am I going to make it? How can I hold on? What's going on? I don't get it. Well, 1 Peter chapter 4 is for you. But actually, you know what I would say? The entire letter that Peter wrote, 1 Peter, five chapters, you can read the entire letter in 16 minutes. Actually, if you listen to it on Version audio, it'll be under 16 minutes. Maybe you want to do that. But I've got three verses for you. 
about how to succeed in suffering. You ready? 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Now that's the you can't lose part right there. Verse 19. So then those who suffer according to God's will, hold up, wait a minute, time out. Peter says, what? Wait, sometimes believers will suffer and it's part of God's will. What? Yes. Yes. And he would know. I mean, he would not lie about something like that. He saw Jesus do it. He did it himself. And now he has grown to the point as he writes this truth for others. Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Now, we waited a while to get to it, so here it is again. Just listen to me say it again. Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Now, you know what was happening in Peter's life? First century believers that he was writing to were just, I mean, they were facing hard times, but they were about to get worse because persecution from the Roman government was coming. It was about to break loose. And staying true to God's will would mean facing pain and suffering for them. Now, we're not facing bloody persecution today, 21st century. But we still need to know how to succeed in suffering, don't we? How to succeed through suffering. Some of us are enduring oppression right now in our world. Others of us, we feel like we're trying to do the right thing in a world gone wrong, and we're, one, we're suffering because of it. And what Peter is calling upon spiritual leaders, salt and light leaders in the world to do is pray. We pray for all engaged in that experience, but we also are stepping into harm's way. You know what Mark Ruffalo, who plays the Hulk, what he said in response to Bridger Walker, he said this, real courage is knowing what is the right thing to do and doing it even when it might end up hurting you somehow. It's not the first time we've heard that truth, is it? See, real love knows how to suffer. True love knows how to suffer, how to place self in harm's way in order to save and serve others. Now, where does that value come from? Where do we get that? How do we, somehow we know it's true, don't we? We know it's good, we know it's right. Doesn't mean we'll always do it, but it means that something inside us still knows. How do we know that? Well, here's what Peter says. We know it because our creator made us that way, our faithful creator. Each week we've been learning in this series how you can't lose. You know what the secret is to you can't lose? Here it is. Your faithful God. God is faithful. Because God is faithful, I have fellowship with God and forgiveness from him to share with others. 
You can't lose. Because God is faithful, I have triumph over the tempter and temptation. We saw that. You don't have to lose. You, can, you can't lose. And today, because God is faithful, I succeed even in suffering. God doesn't always keep us from suffering. But he never leaves us in it. He is with us through it and will keep us just like he kept Jesus. Our God is faithful so we can be courageous. There's the bottom line. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear dying. We are a faith familiar with bloodshed and with suffering. We don't invite it, but we don't have to run from it either. In fact, our founder gave us a symbol that shows us because of the love of our faithful God with Jesus, we can drink it in and eat it up in communion. We represent that every time we take his body and blood. Peter gives us three ways to live courageously, to succeed even in suffering. Here they are real quickly. Number one, rejoice and commit. That's verses 13 and 19 in chapter four. Rejoice, that means choose joy and then commit to your creator. That means choose Jesus. You wanna know the first thing to do if you're suffering today? Then you choose joy and choose Jesus by faith. Number two, do good. Now it's do good toward others. Number two, Verse 19, continue to do good. It's important to do well. But if you want to succeed in suffering, it's more important to do good. Do good for others. Number three, hold on to the hope of joy-filled glory yet to come. Verse 13, we will be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. There's the you can't lose part. Hey, our story's not over yet. The best is yet to come. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly, don't you love that word? Unswervingly to the hope we profess because he who promised is what? Let's say it together. Faithful. Long distance runners inspire me. You know why? Because they got to push through pain in order to finish that challenge. Man, they hit the wall, but they just keep on going. They don't let the pain stop them. In, in fact, no one finishes a marathon without succeeding in suffering. But one of the most inspiring long-distance runners to me is Dick Hoyt. Dick Hoyt. Maybe you don't know his name, but he's that father who runs always pushing his son in front of him. His son, Rick, has cerebral palsy, which, as you can imagine, sort of affects his, uh, his running. But his father's faithfulness, in his father's faithfulness, Rick has competed in over 1,000 athletic events and more than 30 Boston marathons. You know, if you were to ask Rick, how does somebody in your condition uh, finish so many races. You know what he would do? He'd just point to his dad. And if you're wondering how somebody in your condition 
is going to push through pain and suffering and finish the charge in front of you, how you're going to face your troubles and endure your suffering from COVID to cancer, from job loss to financial downturn, from divorce to a wayward child. How am I going to do this? The answer is the same. You just, you just point to your father like Jesus did. See, I just do what my father does. And my father is with me. I'm not alone. The father is with you. That's what he's saying. The father was with me so that I could tell you the father is with you. And he is faithful. He is trustworthy. And he is true. He is absolutely reliable. Others may leave you like they did Jesus. But Peter is saying, the Father is with you. He's wanting his people in the first century to know as persecution bears down on them and there will be blood and there will be suffering that they can be courageous when they step into that charging dog. They know they are not alone. They can trust God, their faithful creator, that even if we bleed and even if we die, we're still going to do good. We're going to make the most of this moment before us and we're going to hold on to the hope that we have in Christ that though we die, yet shall we live. I'm not trying to be morbid, but you know what? Peter was giving his people away to die well, to not be afraid when it's time to die. And our Savior wants us to find that renewed courage every time we lift the cup and break the bread and remember his body and his blood when we join him at the table of suffering. So, what's your suffering? Physical illness? Economic hardship? Is it emotional loneliness? Is it disappointment or anger or frustration from circumstances that you've discovered you can't control? May the Father be with you. As he was with Jesus. And as he was with those people that Peter knew were going to be ushered into the presence of God shortly. May the Son lift you by his Holy Spirit. May you feel the Spirit breathing new courage and inspiration into your bones and body right now so that beyond this life you will know that God is at work to refine your faith, which is of greater worth than gold to God, that it might result in praise, glory, and honor when the glory of Jesus is revealed. You can't lose. And we're on our way to the winner's circle. And one day we will be there in his presence in fact, Jesus remembered that and wanted his disciples to as well when he took the cup and the bread and he said, I'm not going to drink this cup again until we're together in my father's house. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, that you want us together with you in your presence. And thank you that you came in person to make sure that the invitation, that all of the cost was paid so that our place at the table could be covered. Thank you for your death on the cross. Thank you for your rising from the dead. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to our Lord and Savior, Jesus, so that now by his spirit, he could fill us and we could have the same knowledge.
that no matter what we go through, we can do it because of our faithful God. Friend, would you lean into that right now? Whatever you're suffering, whatever you're facing, whatever pain you're feeling, would you open your hands and invite the Father to take it? Not just to take it from you, but to join you in it. Welcome him. And then to lead you through it. Lord, sharpen our focus. Restore our fortitude that your faithfulness might be revealed through ours. And friend, if you're joining us today on the front end of your spiritual journey and would like to know, where do I get strength like that? Well, it's not from yourself, but Christ in you becomes that hope of glory. You can invite Jesus to come into your life right now. Please do it as we pray. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me that my sins might be forgiven. Thank you for rising from the dead. Now I open my heart that your spirit would fill me as I receive the gift of your salvation by faith. I'm turning from trying to do life my way and learning to follow you. Thank you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.